I'd go to Revelation and go left about two pages. <laughs> and you'll find it. It's easy to miss. Um, I'll give just a really brief background um, of this letter and kind of 2 John and 3 John serve the exact same purpose from two different angles and that is what to do with a missionary that's standing on your doorstep. And John is writing these letters um, to say basically you need to discern one, is this a true missionary or is this a false missionary and he gives helps on how to do that um, and if it's a true missionary, what to do with that person. And that's kind of Third John. Second John is kind of on the negative side. Here's how you discern a false missionary, and here's what you need to do when you figure out that this missionary standing on your doorstep is false. And Third John is, um, the, um, John is writing to Gaius here, and he is commending him for um, dealing faithfully with a true missionary that showed up on his doorstep. <coughs> And so that's just kind of a little brief background because these books aren't as well known. Um, they're not as studied as much, so maybe that'll be a little bit of a help. Um, why don't we stand and I'll read this and we can pray. We'll just read here to verse 8, starting at verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask for grace, Lord, to look into your word today. Lord, I ask for words to speak, that you'd bring words to mind that would be helpful and that you would bring those words to our hearts today. Lord, would you shape our minds on what it means to be a missionary supporter, on what it means that when we see that you have providentially brought a missionary into our life, what it means to support them and hold the rope for them. God, we, wanna, we want to act faithfully and we want to walk in the truth. So we ask for grace today and for help and for the power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. I think we're both sick, so I don't know. I don't know if there's too much more damage that can be done. The task of the Great Commission was not given to individuals, but to the church. And within the role of the Great Commission, there are within the Great Commission, the task of the Great Commission, there are two roles. There are those who go, and there's there are those who support 
those who go. And so think of the Great Commission as a task with two different roles. And the overwhelming majority of the people in this room are going to find themselves on the Gaia side of the Great Commission. And so today what I want to do as, as a supporter, and so today what I want to do is just very, very briefly give some thoughts on how we are to understand that role as a missionary supporter on its most basic level. And so we'll do three things. One, we're going to underscore that missionary supporters must fulfill this role in a manner worthy of God. You remember we saw that in verse 6. You'll do well to send them on, away, on their way in a manner worthy of God. That's, that is big. That is very big. Um, secondly, we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to support missionaries in a manner worthy of God? And then thirdly, give just a couple of principles from our text to guard against misunderstandings um, of what this actually means for us. And so number one, look at verse 7. John here is giving a very, very basic definition of the missionary's ultimate purpose and aim. He's describing these men that have come along to Gaius and he says, they went out for the sake of the name. That is the most basic definition at the very bottom rung of what it means to be a missionary is a person who goes out for the sake of the name of God. And we don't have any problem understanding this. We know intuitively that missionaries go out for the glory of God. Missionaries are people that have been so filled with the love of God. They have been filled with a desire to see God's name made great among the nations. They know there are places on earth where God is not worshipped. And they have taken up arms and they have charged headlong into the fight. They go out for the glory of God. We have no problem whatsoever understanding that. That is, that is so basic to our thoughts. But have we ever come to terms with the exact same language that's used in verse 6 in terms of people who support those missionaries. Look at verse 6. And they have testified to your love to the, before the church. So these goers whom you're supporting, they've come back to John and they testified to the way that Gaius supported them. And here is John's exhortation. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. The exact same concept. Not only must missionaries go out for the glory of God, but in the exact same way, those who support them must support them for the glory of God. Amen. That just put your job as a Gaius through the roof in terms of importance and weight. It is a weighty, weighty thing to be someone who holds the rope for a missionary. You must... Now, this, this is amazing. Think about what this means. This means that the name of God is at stake in the way that Lake Road treats missionaries. That is huge. The name of God is at stake in the way we treat missionaries. And so secondly, the question that we will need to ask is, what does it mean to send a missionary on their way in a manner worthy of God? What does it mean to be a supporter 
who takes up that role in a manner worthy of God. This phrase is not hard to understand at all. What you could do, you could reword it and say, send them on their way in a manner that shows how much God is worth. Or you could say it this way, treat these missionaries in the exact same way you would treat the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is a very, very weighty thing. Treat these missionaries in the same way that you would treat the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's, let's turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, and what we're still doing is we're still trying to get our bearings on practically what does it mean to be people who support missionaries in a manner worthy of God. Titus 3.13 Now, if you're using the NASB, you're going to see that second word there, help. I don't know if I don't know what it says in the ESV, but uh, that word "help" that is the exact same word as "send" over here in Third John. So we're dealing with the the same concept. This concept comes up, I think, somewhere between five to eight times about sending missionaries in the New Testament, and this is one of the best commentaries in the whole New Testament on that verse in Third John. And this is what Paul is exhorting Titus, and he says this. He says, diligently help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. Our people must learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. So a large part of sending missionaries or supporting missionaries in a manner worthy of God means that your aim is for missionaries to lack Nothing in terms of spiritual and physical provision to stay out for the sake of the name. That is at least a start at what it means to hold the rope in a manner worthy of God. Thank you. So let me say that again. A large part of sending or supporting in a manner worthy of God means that your aim is for missionaries to lack nothing in terms of spiritual and physical provision to keep them out on the field for the glory of God. Now I want to draw out two principles from our text just briefly to help guard, to guard us from misunderstandings because you may be sitting here and thinking, you know, this is just great. <laughs> I was already feeling guilty enough because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And then you stand up there throwing around statements like, the name of God is at stake in the way Lake Road treats missionaries. Um, and so you can feel overwhelmed and you start thinking, does, you know, does this mean that every time I hear of a missionary... I have to hold the rope for them in this way and try to meet absolutely every need. I mean, you'd start to lose your mind. You, in the morning, you, you would not complete praying through Libya before you would be late for work. And you would not want to turn on the radio for fear that you might hear of another missionary need. That Now you have to hold the rope again. And so obviously, that is not what the Bible is talking about. And I believe that the Bible supports that. Notice this. Here's, here's the first principle. You don't have to hold the rope in this manner for every missionary 
Only the ones that God puts on your doorstep. You don't have to hold the rope for, in this manner, for every missionary. Only the ones that God providentially puts on your doorstep. Notice here in this text, Paul did not command Titus to go scouring Crete to see if he could find some missionaries to hold the rope for. No, he says, listen, Zenos and Apollos have showed up on your doorstep. God has providentially brought them to your path. So deal with those. And over in 3 John... Um, you know, it's interesting, John did not chide Gaius for not supporting more missionaries. He didn't say, you know, you've only got this one or, or this handful that have come through. Think of all of the missionary needs that no doubt John himself knew of, all of the valid missionary needs all over the world. John doesn't even bring them up. He says, listen, God has brought this, this man or this group of traveling missionaries across your doorstep. Providentially, God has brought them into your path. These are the ones that you need to deal with. And so the place that you start looking for, who do I need to be supporting as, as, uh, that are going out as a missionary, you start looking right on your doorstep. Who is God providentially brought across your path? And here at Lake Road, we have quite a full doorstep at the current time. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to start building a porch because our doorstep is getting very, very full. A couple of years ago, uh, we didn't know a lot of these brothers and sisters, but now God has brought a lot of people, a lot of good, solid missionaries across our path. And praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. What a blessing it is to know these men and women. And so my advice and something Rachel and I did that helped us so much you take the prayer list, a lot of those missionaries are listed on there, and then you ask God, God, would you begin burdening, burdening me for a people or a missionary that I can hold the rope for in this way? I, I can't hold the rope for everyone like this, Lord. But why don't you, Lord, this is your work, you give me burdens. Whether or not you ever plan to go or not, that, that does not matter. There are people we pray for, I don't ever intend to go over there, not even for a visit. But I can do all kinds of stuff over here in terms of prayer and maybe giving and things like that. And so you say, God, would you burden me for a people or a place that I can pour my life into as a Gaius-like supporter? And then maybe you do something like you organize your prayer time. I doubt very seriously you can pray for even all of the missionaries on our list every day um, in a super effective way. A lot of us are just busy. But what you could do is you could take little three um, by five cards. You can write their name on them and then you break it up. You pray for one or two one day. Uh, one or two the next day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so you can break things up that way and it makes it a lot easier. And so what you do is when you hear of needs, uh, Brother Charles or Brother Dick shares of um, like this brother that's over in Central Asia right now. You know, you jot that down on a piece of paper and then you go back home, you put that on your three by five card and you begin praying for that. And it'll become a tremendous encouragement for you because you'll start to see answers to prayer. Like that orphanage deal we were praying for a while back over in the Far East. You start to see God answer prayers like that and you can put the, you know, encouragements and things like that. And so, again, that is not a command in the Lord. That's just a thought of how you can begin to break these things up and show support. Um, and again, my encouragement would be start small. 
when I started to see this, <laughs> I, was, I was living in Romania. This is so typical me. Uh, I took the Heart Cry magazine and decided I would pray for every Heart Cry missionary every day. That didn't work. That just did not work. Uh, I didn't do much of anything. Um, and, but here's the thing. Start small and ask God to begin to increase you. Um, you would be amazed at what God can do with little missionary supporter offerings. Um, even financially speaking, the most encouraging offering or gift I received in the time that I lived in Romania, the one that encouraged my heart the most, I think came out to $7. That just put me through the roof in terms of joy in the Lord and a sense that God is with me. He's not left me over here. Even though I feel like it right now, God has not forgotten me. $7. $7. That is... McDonald's plus a little bit more. All right? That's not a lot. Um, and so start small. And, uh, you know, and again, I think the big thing in here that would help the most is just to ask God to begin burdening you for a people or a place that you can hold the rope for in that way. A second principle to try and keep us from discouragement or to keep us from being overwhelmed is this. The entire burden to meet these needs does not does not rest on one or two individuals, but the people. Notice back here in Titus chapter 3. Diligently, verse 13, Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, so that nothing is lacking for them. Now if you stop there, you would think that Paul is saying, Titus, you need to man up here. You need to fork out the money. Fork out the spiritual provision to make sure these guys are taken care of. That is on your shoulders to get it done. But you read on and you see what he's saying. He says, our people must learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. So you see what's happening here. He's saying, Titus, this is not totally on your shoulders. This is on the people to meet pressing needs. And I don't even think that that means that if one of these missionaries that it seems like God has put on our doorstep as a church, like some of these Far East missionaries and things like that, I don't think that that means that if he were to come here today and say, I have a $30,000 needs, then we need to lock the door and wait till $30,000 is on the table. That is not what that means. Um, it means that God is going to spread that out. And I believe God will spread that burden out. But at a basic minimum, what it means is this, is we need to keep our hearts very warm for Christ. We need to keep the um, borders of Kirksville extended far beyond what they were. You can sometimes feel like if you stay in Kirksville too long that when people leave, it's just like going into a black hole. Like Kirksville is the only place on earth. Um, one thing, now I'm starting to get scattered because I'm sick, but I'm going to say this and I'll blame it on my sickness. Um, a good thing to do um, is to keep missions before your minds. These reports and things like that. One thing I'd encourage you to do, when the Heart Cry magazine comes, read that thing from cover to cover, especially the reports. Um, read missionary biographies. It is so easy, if you don't keep these things before your eyes, to forget that there is a massive fight on the other side of the world for the cause of Christ. I was standing beside Paul Washer one time and somebody asked him, how do you stay so on fire for missions? And I know exactly what they were waiting for. They were waiting for, well, I found this verse over in Numbers that talks about missions. And it, you know, 
That wasn't it at all. He said, it's very, very simple. It's always before me. Every time I turn around, I'm seeing a missionary report. And so one of the best ways to keep these things fresh and hot on your hearts is to keep in whatever manner, whether it's um, you would receive an email, read a heart cry magazine or, or whatever, to keep these things before your eyes. Um, but the bottom line is keep your heart warm for Christ and um, ask God to give you His burdens and to live sacrificially for the cause of God. And so those are just a few introductory thoughts on what it is to participate in the high calling of the missionary supporter. Amen.